welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to be with you today. We are continuing to work through our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and today we find ourselves where Jesus is teaching his disciples what it looks like to fast in a way that honors the Lord. So we're working today through Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. We're on episode 129, and it's titled Fasting for the Glory of God. So fasting, it's just one of those spiritual disciplines that seems to be overlooked the most, or or at least maybe not talked about as much. I did a series on the podcast a couple years ago on the spiritual disciplines, and fasting was one that I personally was weak in, so I was so thankful to spend some time studying through this important and often forgotten spiritual discipline. I was just going to pull a few thoughts from the episode I did on fasting, and I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to listen into the whole episode. My hope is to have these two episodes on fasting work well together and not overlap. So so fasting basically is when we voluntarily abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. It can be denying ourselves the enjoyment of other things too, but and, and that really can be a help if you have a medical condition and you can't abstain from food. But primarily, fasting is focused on food. And fasting is just a way to remind us that everything we truly need is found in Christ and in Him alone. Jesus fasted, and He expected that His followers would fast too. The, the Day of Atonement was the only biblically commanded fast in the Bible in the Old Testament. and we, But we do read many other places in Scripture where God's people fasted. In the Old Testament, we see fasting was associated with seeking God's protection or deliverance. We see it for guidance when making a decision or determining which course of action to take. We know Queen Esther called for a fast as she prepared to enter into the presence of King Xerxes. We read in Esther chapter 4, 16 to 17, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. J.C. Ryle stated, and as we're kind of getting in the introduction here, I just want to give us a good foundation for this before we get into the scriptures. J.C. Ryle stated, Fasting or occasional abstinence from food in order to bring the body into subjection to the spirit is a practice frequently mentioned in the Bible, generally in connection with prayer. David fasted when his child was sick, that's 2 Samuel 12, 16. Daniel fasted when he sought special light from God, that's Daniel 9, 3. Paul and Barnabas fasted when they appointed elders, that's Acts 14, 23. Esther fasted before going into King Ahasuerus. That's Esther 4.16. He says it's a subject about which we find no direct command in the New Testament. It seems to be left to everyone's discretion, whether he will fast or not. 
In this absence of direct command, we may see great wisdom. He says, many a poor man never has enough to eat, and it would be an insult to tell him to fast. Many sick people can hardly be kept well with the closest attention to diet and could not fast without bringing on illness. It is a matter in which each person must be persuaded in their own mind and not rashly condemn others who do not agree. One thing only must never be forgotten. He says, those who fast should do it quietly secretly and without ostentation let them not quote show men they are fasting let them not fast to man but to god end quote there it's almost like i could just end the whole episode there but we're going to continue through it and hopefully be a little more encouraging and give you some insight so our verses today continue through a section that we've been working through matthew in chapter six on not being a hypocrite and we already worked through giving and the last episode we worked through the lord's prayer and now jesus is teaching his disciples how not to be a hypocrite when you fast so let me read our verses today so again we're in matthew chapter 6 just verses 16 to 18 and when you fast do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others truly i say to you they have received their reward but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So we discussed last episode the proper pattern for prayer as we work through the Lord's Prayer, and this discipline of fasting goes hand in hand with prayer. And just like we talked about proper giving, just like giving and prayer, there's a right way and a wrong way. So today we're going to work through that. And if you're new here and you're just catching this episode, you can find all of my um, podcasts at my home on the web at thankfulhomemaker.com. When you get there in the main menu, hit the podcast app or the podcast tab, I should say, on the blog. But also you can find, if you're just looking for these Sermon on the Mount episodes, if you hover over the tab on Christian Living, a little menu will drop down and you can click on the Sermon on the Mount episodes there just wanted to state that because I, I kind of forget about that. So just so you can find all the other episodes. So let's begin with Matthew chapter 6, just verse 16. And that reads, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So we start verse 16 with the words, and when. So it's not if you fast, but when you fast. So Jesus is assuming we will fast. It is not a command here, but it's assumed. He tells us in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 15, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So the time to fast is now, as it states in verse 15 above. Our bridegroom has been taken away from us, and we so desire and look for his return to make things right and new. And Jesus here is giving specific instructions on what to do when we fast and what not to do. Again, he's assuming we're going to fast, just as he assumed we're going to pray. We have no issue with knowing we need to pray, and it's probably pretty rare, pretty rare for a believer to go a day without prayer. But fasting is another story. We may find ourselves never fasting in our walk with the Lord. And just to be clear here, we're talking about fasting for spiritual purposes. 
This is not about weight loss. This is not intermittent fasting. So we're told not to be like the hypocrites. And we've discussed in previous episodes that a hypocrite is an actor. They may look like they're mournful or repentant, but they're not. They're putting a mask on. They're being a hypocrite. They want others to think they are more spiritual and mournful over their sin. So they made it very obvious they were fasting. But what they were doing really is just looking more spiritual than they truly were. They wanted others to see them. So they didn't wash their faces and they disfigured their faces. And I'm really trying to picture in my mind what that looks like. (laughs) But basically... They just look miserable and sad, and others would know they were fasting and think of them as these wonderfully spiritual people. Martin Lloyd-Jones stated this. He said, he said, look at him. Look at what he's sacrificing and suffering for the sake of his devotion to God. Our Lord condemns that root and branch. Any announcing of the fact of what we are doing or calling attention to it is something which is utterly reprehensible to him, as it was in the case of prayer and of almsgiving. It is exactly the same principle. You must not sound a trumpet proclaiming the things you are going to do. You must not stand at the street corners or in a prominent place in the synagogue when you pray. And in the same way, you must not call attention to the fact that you are fasting. And what is the reward they get for this, he continues? The praise of men. But that is the only reward they will get. God sees in secret. God sees the heart. So let me read um, verses 16 and 17 in Matthew chapter 6 here as we move forward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So these were normal things everyone did. Jesus is just telling us to go about looking like we normally do and go about our day as normal so not to draw attention to ourselves. This is another one I want to share from Martin Lloyd-Jones because it's really good and I know it's probably a struggle for all of us and if not just necessarily in the area of fasting but in all areas of our life. He said, our Lord's principle is always this, Forget other people altogether. In order to avoid looking sad, don't put a grin on your face. Forget your face. Forget yourself. Forget other people altogether. It is this interest in the opinions of other people that is so wrong. Don't worry about the impression you are making. Just forget yourself and give yourself entirely to God. Be concerned only about God and about pleasing Him. Be concerned only about His honor and His glory. Again, I've said this before, but Martin Lloyd-Jones' book, it's his series of sermons, and when he was in the Sermon on the Mount, it's called Studies in the Sermon on the Mount. It's just a resource that you need to put on your wish list, or if you can afford it now, get it on your library and just utilize it and read through it and read through these um, chapters in Matthew. So friends, when, when our focus is fully and wholly on pleasing God and to bring glory to his name, we're going to know how to act and respond and how to look because we're doing it all to the glory of God. John Piper adds here, he says, few things feel more gratifying to the heart of fallen man than being made much of for our accomplishments, especially our moral and religious accomplishments. All of this we are prone to do because of our seemingly insatiable appetite for the praise of men. We want to be made much of. We want people to like us and admire us and speak well of us. It is a deadly drive, and Jesus warned us, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be 
exalted. And that's from Matthew 23, 12. <clears throat> so when we fast, we're doing so for the purpose of prayer and repentance and petition. It's a reminder to us that we don't live by bread alone. And as our body grows weak, our spirit remembers we don't live by our own strength. Our fasting is done to nourish our hunger for God and to diminish our hunger for the world. So as a true born-again believer, we, we can't be a full hypocrite, but we are able to act like a hypocrite when we put on a show to live for a human audience. The Bible mentions times of corporate fasting, so there are, other, there are times others are going to know that we're fasting. If you're fasting in your home, your family's most likely going to know because you're missing meal times. You may be fasting as a whole church family together. So people are going to know, and that's just a reality. But only God and you know your true motives. So just thinking of questions here, like, is it enough for you that God only knows, that, that he is your reward? Is that enough for you? Those are just things to ask ourselves. John Piper adds, he says, doing right just because it is right is not the Christian ideal. Doing right to enlarge our delight in God is. He says, so for the sake of your own soul and in response to Jesus and for the advancement of God's supremacy in all things, for the joy of all peoples, comb your hair and wash your face and let the Father who sees in secret observe how hungry you are for him with fasting. The Father who sees in secret is brimming with rewards for your joy and for his glory. There's a devotional I want to read to you. It's by F.B. Meyer, who I really appreciate. I just have really appreciated his writings. And it's from his, it's called Our Daily Homily. But he says, Thy Father which is in secret, which seeth in secret. That's the title of the devotional. And he's working through these verses here. Um, really um, from Matthew chapter 6, verses 4, 16, and 18. So dealing with our giving and our prayer and then our fasting. So he begins, he says, How fondly Jesus repeats these words. Though compelled to live so much in the public gaze of men, his heart was always sighing for the secret place of fellowship with his father who waited for him there. Of course, the main objective of those paragraphs was to withdraw his disciples from the excessive outwardness of the age in which he spoke and which necessarily detracted from the singleness, directness, and simplicity of the religious life. It is impossible to perform our religious duties before men without insensibly considering what impression we are producing and how far their estimation of us is being enhanced. And in so far as we seek these things, the stream is contaminated with mud and silt and becomes turbid. We have just as much religious life as we show to God in secret. Just that, no less, no more. Whatever is not wrought between thee and God with no record but his eye is chaff which the wind driveth away. He says, here is a test for our alms, our prayers, and our fasting from sin and self-indulgence. If we do any of these to maintain or increase the consideration that men may have of us, they count for nothing in the eve of God. But whatever is done for him alone will secure his inevitable notice and reward. Dwell on that very definite assurance shall recompense thee there is no doubt about it for every petition breathed into his ear for every sigh and tear for every abstinence from sin and self there will be a certain recompense after the divine measure such seeds shall have a prolific harvest seek then the secret place where prying eyes cannot follow and curious ears cannot overhear 
So my friend, the, the purpose of fasting is to change our hearts. It changes and strengthens our prayer life. It causes us to pray in earnest. It's not a way to persuade God to do things our way. And if you want more on fasting, because I get more practical in it, please give episode 61 a listen. It's called Fasting, Hungering for God. I'll link to it in the show notes. You can search it on your podcast app, wherever you're listening into Thankful Homemaker. And I, I also link, and I'll, I'll put it in this one too, to an excellent short read. It's in PDF form from John MacArthur on this particular text that I encourage you to read. And all that will be in the show notes, so you don't have to remember all that. But let me leave with this quote from Donald Whitney. And this is from his most excellent book titled Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And if fasting is something you want to become a little more knowledgeable about or, or you know, determine that you really see a need in your life where you need to fast, that you need to spend time with the Lord in, in prayer and seek his, um, seek his petition on this. And maybe there's areas you need to repent or you need wisdom, whatever that might be. Donald Whitney's book and his chapter on fasting is so helpful. So he says, there is no doubt that God has often crowned fasting with extraordinary blessings. Biblical, historical, and contemporary testimonies bear witness to God's delight in providing unusual blessings to those who fast. But we should be careful not to develop what Martin Lloyd-Jones called a mechanical view of fasting. This is important. I'm, I'm, I'm plugging in here, but this is important, so listen. So again, I'm just going to repeat that sentence. But we should be careful not to develop what Martin Lloyd-Jones called a mechanical view of fasting. That is believing that if we will fast, God is obligated to give us what we ask. We cannot manipulate God to do our bidding by fasting any more than we can by any other means. As with prayer, we fast and hope that by His grace, God will bless us as we desire. When our fast, if rightly motivated, we can be sure God will bless us and do so in the way infinite wisdom knows is best, even if it is not in the way we wanted. So I pray, friends, that we, and I always think of the title of John Piper's book on fasting is, is so appropriately titled. It's called Hunger for God. This is the purpose of fasting, to long for the fullness and presence of Jesus in our lives, to hunger for God more than the food that he made for us to live on. So my dear friend, in Christ, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And my hope is that we're going to continue to yearn for more of him as we practice without hypocrisy, our giving and praying and fasting before him. Because truly, Jesus is enough always. I'm so grateful for you, my friend, for being here. This episode and the previous one I did a while back on fasting, they do go hand in hand together. And you'll find those show notes and the link to the other episode and all the scripture references and quotes and all that good stuff in the show notes at the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com. Our next time together in the Sermon on the Mount series is going to take us into Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, where we're going to work through together what it means and looks like to lay up our treasures in heaven. These last sections we're coming to in Matthew 6, they're some of my favorites because it reminds me that if I truly treasure God, then why do I worry? Oh my goodness. So we're moving into treasure and trust, and I am so grateful to dig in here with you all soon. And I do pray, my dear friend, that you have a very blessed week.